You're listening to From the Front Lines, a special podcast from WUFT during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast provides daily updates on Florida's response to coronavirus with a particular focus on North Central Florida. In addition to news and important information, From the Front Lines will feature a member of the community who is working to keep the community safe or running during these challenging times. Hello, I'm your host Ryan Vasquez and this is From the Front Lines. Here are the most recent COVID-19 numbers from around the state. There are now 255 positive cases of COVID-19 in Alachua County, according to the latest numbers from the Florida Department of Health. Levy County saw its total increase by five after the State Department of Health conducted mass testing at Williston Care Center. That brings their total to 18. Other positive case numbers in the North Central Florida region include 272 in Clay County, 160 in Marion County, and 97 in Citrus County. Statewide, there are roughly 33,000 positive cases of the coronavirus and roughly 1,200 deaths. Gainesville City Commissioners are reallocating money from block grant programs so that it can be used to give financial assistance to individuals and small businesses. In total, the actions taken Monday affect about $3.2 million. The money will be distributed through GMV Cares and split 50-50 between residents and businesses. Mayor Lauren Poe says the application process will be carefully monitored. If there's an application period of five days, bring them all in in five days. As they come in, evaluate them for whether they are eligible or not. The ones that are not eligible, you set aside, doesn't matter anymore. The ones that are eligible, you keep at the end of the five days when you've evaluated all of them for eligibility, then you randomize. So it's not who got it in first. The city manager will have the final say in approving or denying funding applications. The city is holding a town hall meeting tonight at 715 to answer any questions about the aid program. The Alachua County Commission has drafted an order to strengthen the requirement of masks to curb the spread of coronavirus. The order would not make masks mandatory in all public places, but rather in businesses such as grocery stores. Other suggestions included requiring businesses to alert the public that masks are not being worn by employees. Commissioner Ken Cornell, who proposed the requirement, offered statistics that favored the use of masks. Talking about the aerosol spread and what they're finding, Um, Dr. Glenn Morris also indicated that masking, he thought, could help reduce the spread um, from anywhere between 50 and 60 percent. The commission will wait on Governor Ron DeSantis, however, to share his plans for the first phase of reopening the state today before making any local level decisions. The commission meets again on Friday at 10 in the morning. The Florida Education Association is asking the state's education commissioner to create two groups that would guide how schools should reopen. The FEA is encouraging Florida's Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran to form two committees, one for pre-K through 12 schools, the other for colleges. The organization also listed people that should be included in the committees, such as students, parents, superintendents, school board members, and community groups like the NAACP and Hispanic Federation. The FEA gave a statement saying that the committees, if formed, would give recommendations on how to reopen schools and address issues like mental health. All Hernando County Park and Beach locations, including Alfred McKeithen Pine Island Park and Rogers Park Beach area, have reopened for public use. Residents are encouraged to follow CDC guidelines and restrictions while visiting Hernando County Park locations. The average price of a gallon of regular unleaded gasoline in Florida is now below $2 in every corner of the state. Amid a 70% decline in demand due to the coronavirus, AAA Auto Club says gas prices are down $1 per gallon from a year ago, now averaging $1.77 per gallon. AAA spokesman W.D. Williams says those working in hospitals, grocery stores, and other essential services are saving $15 to $20 each time they fill up. Williams sees no immediate sign of prices increasing either, given the glut of crude oil in the worldwide market. 
World supply is very high right now. In fact, our ability to store fuel and oil is quickly coming to an end because everything is full. So until we start seeing a little relief there, we're going to continue to see and benefit from low gasoline prices. Florida's most expensive gas is now found in West Palm Beach at $1.95 per gallon, while the cheapest fuel costs $1.62 in Jacksonville. About a month ago, when schools around the state scrambled to transition to online learning, Florida Virtual School decided to help. It offered 100 free courses to students and began working with schools statewide to help teachers, students, and parents get used to something new. WUFT's Anthony Montalto spoke with Florida Virtual School Chief Operations Officer Sam Verghese about how the programs are going. So we're doing this follow-up on the 100 courses that Florida Virtual School is offering to students around the state. So I was just wondering how that's going. Yeah, I'd say that so far it is going well and that the real idea is just knowing we are working with schools to be able to get them, including their teachers, and which eventually is going to get to the students the ability to be able to have those courses and give people the resources that they need in this time, which is such a unique environment right now. And I think that idea of what we're trying to do is really to empower these schools and specifically, you know, help local folks being able to have those tools so they can keep the student experience at that local level as well, because that's going to be the environment they're in, in this type of COVID environment. So up to this point, you know, we've had about 103, you say like 103,000 students that are experiencing that free course offering right now that's going on from that side. And the idea is that we are partnering directly with the schools because that idea is how can we help the student with their experience as much as possible to be able to get the benefit of award-winning courses of what we're offering and have the teachers that they are used to in an environment that they are comfortable with and help in that transition as much as possible. Because as we know, change can be a struggle. It can be difficult. So we want to try to help minimize that change as much as possible and really help in that role. So have you guys seen an uptick in enrollment in Florida Virtual School as a result of all of this then? Definitely, um, we believe there's, there's an increase that's coming in light of this. I mean, as you can imagine, right, every, you know, every day is a kind of unique changing dynamic. So we're seeing, of course, parents are trying to figure out what, what is the best arena for, for them to help their students best. So as in some of these cases, schools have seen, hey, it's best to partner with us in this arena. In some cases, individual parents are enrolling their students. So definitely we have been seeing, you know, an increase. I don't have a final projection today on that, but definitely we're seeing more people saying, here's a great option, Florida Virtual being an opportunity in this scenario for parents to be able to help their students achieve and keep a seamless learning experience going. So, yes, that, definitely we've seen that coming our way for sure. Are you guys preparing for kind of a surge of interest uh, in the future, summer or fall, if this does continue? Yeah, and that's a great question too, Anthony. I, I think as always, like all things, and just taking the lead of, you know, the Commissioner of Education and our CEO, Dr. Allgaze, we're trying to always think about, you know, what does the future look like? How can we continue to be prepared in what we're doing and how we're getting ready for this? So we want to continue, and as we have been, just working through and communicating every day, you know, with the Department of Education and with the districts, just talking through 
Um, how can we kind of best meet these needs? And and we don't know what the future is going to hold yet. I think the whole concept is how do we channel that fear that exists right now? The the fear of the unknown is, I think, one of the biggest threats to everything that's going on right now. So how do we turn that into positive action? And that's really what's burst the idea of the 100 courses. Um, also, we have an online learning community that provides free resources for parents doing this for the first time, uh, for educators who are new to this. You know, we provided virtual teacher training um, to thousands of Florida teachers for that reason as well. So I think we're trying to do everything we can on our end to be ready and prepared if for some reason this continues longer than this school year. And that idea is how can we get as much good information and, and positivity out there and actual real tangible help uh, for parents for educators, for administrators, for students you know, in this environment, if things continue on longer than maybe what's expected right now. That's really great. Yeah, because I, I, I'm sure that um, some of those teachers who have been teaching for years and years um, are probably having some trouble uh, navigating this new normal and the students, I'm sure, as well. So that's awesome that you guys are doing all of that and being prepared for the future. I think that's really all the questions I had, but if there's anything else that you would want to add, I'm all ears. Sure. I appreciate it. I think uh, just knowing that what we hope you know, our role can be in, in this environment is just to continue kind of seamless integration of what's going on and what we're doing. And by nature of what's happening right now, people are expecting state government to really work together, get out of silos, really provide great solutions for what the community needs and for what the individual needs in this environment. Because now, because we can't gather, of course, physically the way that we used to, we've got to think about how can we get that out there in a digital environment in this way, and like we're doing on the phone or on a, you know, on a video call, things along those lines. So, of course, as I mentioned, we have our, you know, online learning community, and that's at, that's at uh, flvs.net slash community. And I just want to say, you know, as things continue to develop, we are updating this um, daily. You know, there's always new content coming out to help people to be ready because there's a lot of uncertainty of parents saying, how can I continue to do this? This is an environment I might not be aware of, unsure of. So we want to make sure they feel as empowered and ready as possible that they can do this, that there is a way to, to get this done and to be able to have success in an environment of change. So I just want to leave you with that and to say that we're uh, going to continue to work our hardest and continue to push forward. And I want to thank you, Anthony, for doing your part in uh, reporting on these things. From the Front Lines is a production of the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you to our producers, Taylor Levesque, Daniela Mora, Anthony Montalto, Josh Williams, Melissa Fato, and Cameron Lund. Also, thanks to our fellow Florida public media stations for their contributions to this podcast. And a special thank you to Matt Abramson and Craig Lee for their work behind the scenes. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have a story to share with From the Front Lines, please contact WUFT on Facebook or Twitter, or send an email to news at WUFT.org. Join us tomorrow for another edition of From the Front Lines. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and of course, thanks for listening.